A one, two, three. I should just get the pocket operator and like. That'd be cool. Do the clap for me. Sample the clap and then play it back. I need to get one of those. Those things seem cool. They are way too much fun. It yeah, it seems like it seems like it'd be really cool. For people who are not familiar with these things, because I wasn't until recently, a pocket operator, it's uh it's a handheld device. It's about the size of a calculator, looks like a calculator, has an L C D screen and a handful of buttons and knobs, but it's uh it's just a bare PCB. It's like there's no even case for it, it's just a bare circuit board with battery slapped on the back of it. They're uh they're just designed to be music making devices and they've all different varieties of them for doing drums or bass or or synths or uh like video game sounds and so on and so forth. And you can link them together so you can have multiple pocket operators, like well, the output of one feeding into the input of another, and you can make lots of layers of sound and they're all synced up with the metronome and you know, so they're all playing at the same tempo and stuff. And they're fun niche little devices, uh fun for messing around in. Um the the thing that's nice about the pocket operators is that it they um like you can spend all day sitting in front of logic like moving tracks around and stuff but like just focusing and just having it be this like self-contained thing that forces you you know has all these limitations right and so it sort of focuses you to just work around the limitations slash use them you know to their maximum effect uh really narrows the scope of like what kind of music you can make for someone who especially for someone who doesn't ever like make music and doesn't know what the hell they're doing having this little pocket operator uh like toy that's just so limited in functionality is really it really gets the creative juices flowing i think i'll put a link to uh this in the chat here the teenage engineering pocket operators for me it's um it's about like applying constraints like without those constraints you might get focused on bells and whistles and knobs to turn to try to be creative and and then it's kind of just like you know trying to spruce up a house that's that doesn't have strong bones. Uh, so by stripping away all the bells and whistles and things to focus on, you sort of can focus on the roots of the song, you know, this make the, make the bones of the song strong, make it coherent, make it make sense. And then, then you can use effects. It's never, it's never good. Like, you know, if a, if a song kind of like needs the effects, then it doesn't really stand on its own. I mean, I, I say that. And then I listen to like U two where like, that's the sound, that's their sound. It's like, a, <laughs> uh, you know, a dotted eighth note delay, but I think in many cases uh, you can get distracted and uh, focus on the the wrong thing. Yeah, and it's 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 not meant to be a device to make a full song, right? You can, but like I think it's more of a sort of I see it as more of like an inspiration slash like maybe you use some of the samples in a bigger like piece or something, right? Kind of kind of solution, or just for messing around, just for fun, because why not? It's a uh... It's interesting for me to think about trying to be creative outside the bounds of a computer because it's something I haven't done in a very long time. I think like everything that I'm producing is sort of like revolves around software, revolves around something on on my laptop or a computer. So the idea of producing something creatively outside of that, away from that is interesting to me right now. You know, instead of scaring, staring at your 5K display, you're looking at this little LCD display with two guys fighting each other with like fisticuffs is like punching back and forth animation. That's yeah. one of the things that it does. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. Thomas is asking uh, which pocket operator would I recommend? I settled on the PO33, the KO. This one is cool because it seemed like the most flexible to me. The thing that's cool about it is um, 
it's divided into rhythm sections and drum sections. So you can sort of build multiple layers on that. It's not all one or the other. And the other cool thing about the KO is it's a sampler. So you can literally, like, the sky's the limit with the sounds that you can put into this thing. You can record them on the mic. You could get a garage band on your phone and just record samples from, like, a keyboard or a synth or a drum or whatever you want. You can load this thing up with with any samples and, uh, you know, then sequence them into making music. To me, like, that endless possibility was, was really appealing. So that's why I ended up... Uh, picking that one uh but yeah that it's it's kind of interesting to me now i don't i don't know it's um i'm starting to get like into the phase where it's getting nicer outside the sun's out more so maybe i'm just like wanting to be outside more it's not dark all the time like when i wake up and when i'm done working so uh, i feel like maybe more restless maybe that's what's driving that feeling of like get me away from this computer for a little bit yeah i feel that well i mean not the weather the warm weather will come. What else has been going on? Forget about non-computers. You want to talk about computers? <laughs> uh, yeah. What what else has been going on? Um, I just been kind of like busy, like busier. Uh, so not that I'm working more hours, but I just have more things to get done in the same amount of hours. I guess that's a dumb <laughs> way to say it. But uh, I guess my duties are expanding. Um, so, and, and I'm get, I'm having more duties that aren't directly related to engineering, uh, as well. So, um, again, Thomas, thanks for that book that you got me from the Stripe Press. I think like that's going to be coming in handy. Uh, I forget the title off, offhand. It's sitting on my nightstand right now. Uh, an elegant puzzle, systems of, systems of engineering. But yeah, so my, my duties are growing. I, I have more like non-technical things, which means, you know, sometimes more meetings, more talking to people and just new types of problems to be solving. Uh, so, I mean, it's good. Like, I like the varied work. That's one thing that I, I really liked about, you know, pre-Meta Lab Life was depending on the day, I could be doing something totally different. And while that did ultimately like end up grinding me down to nothing, uh, sometimes it's nice to have that variability. So it's kind of cool to have different segments of the day. Like, okay, these, these few hours are like engineering. These few hours are thinking about the roadmap for this project and the engineers I'm working with. And then these few hours are about these other things. So I'm trying to be a little bit vague, I guess, uh, on some of the things, but I guess with like, yeah, with, with metal lab, I'm coaching two people. So two engineers that are that I'm not directly working with. So that just means like recurring meetings where I'm talking to them, making sure they're doing okay, they're happy, they feel like they're learning and growing. Um, and my job is to, uh, you know, advocate for them and make sure that if there's a problem that they need solved or something they communicated up the chain, then I handle that. Uh, so that's new-ish to me. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Like I, I think it's going to be a good challenge. But yeah, it's a new challenge for me. You said it feels like you're getting further and further away from your sort of engineering roles, like, uh, you know, maybe more hands-on stuff. How is that? How does it make you feel? <laughs> you know, is it just a natural evolution or like, do you, you know? It's not necessarily that I'm getting farther away from it because I still have to do it. It's just there's more to do at the same time, maybe. So there's more multitasking or more context switching involved than, than I might be used to because I think like with premier lab stuff, it was always sort of engineering related or solving a problem via programming. And now the new stuff that I'm doing, like has nothing to do with programming in a sense. Like they, the people that I'm working with might be engineers, but 
it's people stuff, not computer stuff. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Different kind of problem solving. Different kind of problem solving. Yeah. And yeah, it's been, I'm trying to like observe like how I listen. Am I listening like for the right things? Am I, am I like presupposing things? Am I putting my own lens on things? And, you know, so maybe I'm thinking too hard about that stuff, but um, those are things I don't want to do is like have someone communicate something to me and then I take it and run with it through my understanding, which may be incorrect. And then the person being like, well, instead of like actually listening to what I said, you just made an assumption and did this other thing, which is, yeah, that's, that's, what I not, that's what I don't want to happen at all. But at the same time, you don't want to sort of over constrain maybe like what you're, you don't want every act, every interaction to someone to be like so detail oriented that you don't miss anything, right? Like you need to sort of navigate that area of like mm-hmm. trying to understand what people actually need to get done. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then having to communicate that. Cause like one thing, I mean, I mean, Greg said it just like in passing on the show that he was on last, but like, uh, he can say things to me and then I can hear them a certain way and then relay them a different way. Right. And, and so in thinking, I've been thinking about that a lot because that's something I don't want to be doing on behalf of these people that I'm, that I'm supposedly helping, (laughs) uh, you know, be fulfilled in, in all that stuff. So, uh, Yeah. So Thomas is saying like, those are hard skills to build because their effects are hard to measure, which is very, very true. And in, in many cases, uh, those effects aren't relayed or to you, like a person that may be having those negative or experiencing those negative effects may say, say nothing about it. Uh, and then he followed up with like, do you get reviewed by your directs? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> so you, you get reviewed by people pretty frequently. What it sounded like. Uh, well, so I have meetings, like I have, uh, weekly meetings with my coach uh, which aren't necessarily reviews. They're more, uh, yeah, they're more of like, I guess what I should be doing, you know, for, for my reports too. But it's funny cause like in those calls, she'll ask me how I'm doing and I'll start talking about the project and she's like, I didn't ask about the project. I'm like, damn, she got me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's like something new to me. So I'm trying to, uh, just learn, you know, just try to be observant maybe. And, and, I don't want to fall in the trap of just being really busy in that being my excuse for not observing, I guess. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm trying to then on top of that, figure out like, you know, are there sort of for like MR reviews, right? So, you know, there's probably a certain number of things you probably want to like, I say MR because we're using GitLab in this project, but PR or whatever, they're probably like a certain number of things you should generally look for. Uh, and, and, And so I think it's also a little bit different with, depending on who you're working with. So you need to know the people you're working with. So for person A, you might need to look for these set of things. And for person B, you might need to look for these set of things. And so what I'm trying to do is figure out a system of like, how can I keep track of all this stuff so I can still be effective even if I have less time to do the reviews, you know? Because it sounds like you need like a Rolodex, like a, like a Michael Scott Rolodex of your employees. Yeah. If only we had the technology for this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of what I'm what I'm trying to to figure out. So really, I just want to do right by everybody and, and trying to figure out what that means for me practically, like what I need to change about what I'm doing from day to day or how often I reflect uh, on on things. So it's so crazy to hear you talk about uh, working in this capacity because I don't, I can't, I like I'm having such a hard time relating to this right now because I don't, I don't have the desire or like um what am i trying to say here like 
what you do, like I, I feel like I could never do because I'm <laughs> not like I'm not interested in it. Yeah, I don't feel like I would be good at it. Like I feel like our paths sort of crossed and are slowly diverging. Not that's a bad thing, right? Like just different paths, but like uh, I don't. I'm trying to learn from you what it's like because I I think it's interesting to hear about and just just further reinforces that like uh, that doesn't sound like it's for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I kind of worry because I don't want that to be a like a a ceiling on my career path. You know, I mean, uh, I feel like as you get more senior and you know as an engineer in your career, like you do tend to people tend to step into manager roles, and I don't. I worry about that. Like, I don't want that to be off the table, but at the same time, I feel like I'm taking it off the table prematurely. And so I don't, you know, I don't know if there's a lot I can do about it right now, <laughs> being self-employed, you know, but um, it's just something I've, I think about sometimes that like, is, am I, am I self-limiting, you know, by not, you know, taking those kind of steps or, or is there another path forward that, you know, allows me to advance, you know, my career and my skill set, but still, you know, just sort of keep on the technical side of things. Well, so, okay. So I have a couple of thoughts on this. Um, obviously like you can probably take what I'm saying with grain of salt because I haven't worked for every company out there. Uh, but there's, there's like more paths that you can go into. And it does seem like, you know, like before, I guess even before working at MetaLab, that was sort of what I had envisioned too is like generally every engineer ends up going into management at some on some level uh people management not necessarily uh like more i don't know more project management or whatever but mm-hmm. uh i i'm starting to see like there's also a whole the other side of it for people that don't want to do that and that's like the principal side or the architect side so there are other places you can sort of graduate to. And again, I don't know, like I haven't done research on like how many jobs are available in management versus architect. Right. But there's, there's a path on the other side too. So I don't necessarily think that you should worry about, am I really limiting my, my career by not wanting to go down this other path? Because there are plenty of paths that you could go down. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's a really good point. And, you know, I try to think of examples of people I've known who have, have been in that role and been successful and uh i just feel like there maybe aren't as many you know but maybe i just w- wasn't able to identify you know that that's what the you know yeah that's who those people were i guess yeah i mean what's been related to me is that it's been harder to find developers that want to do the people like move into the, the lead track and, and and most of them i say most as be, again that was related to me but uh many developers would rather go the other route the principal route the non-people management route sort of like being experts in their domain and they come in when they need to solve a complex problem or recommend a complex solution to to somebody. Yeah. I feel like that's, it's kind of a, it comes with the territory in terms of if you're a sort of analytical thinker, you tend to sort of be more kind of double down and like you said, kind of become a master of domain. Yeah. I, but it's a big world. There's a lot of stuff to be done out there. So yeah, I wouldn't, for sure. I wouldn't be too worried about that, but I mean, that's still something that I think about too is, is like, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy talking to people. Like I think even if like my whole life I've been described as like introverted and shy, right. Um, not outgoing yet. Originally I, I gravitated towards a music career as a performer, uh, which doesn't seem to make sense at all. Right. But for for me, uh, it was more about 
you know, I, I enjoyed the creative aspect of it. I liked writing a lot. I liked playing a lot. Like I like playing live music. Um, the, the crowds were never the important thing to me, but, uh, almost secondary to the music was the people that would hang around after the show, the small group of people that shows up, not the big group of people that shows up. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I found a lot of fulfillment in music, like meeting people, it was the coolest thing to me to like meet someone in a state that you don't live in. And then you go back months later and they, they still know who you are and they remember you, they remember your conversations and they remember like they, maybe they even followed you on social media. Like to me, that was the coolest part of being in a band. So I think part of me, that's where part of me gets fulfillment in like talking, connecting to people on the people management side of engineering is really, I just want to like be able to connect with people and then, if I have experience they can learn from, relay that experience. That's really that's really what matters to me. When I was in high school, uh, I used to I went out of my way to go to Boston and see shows uh, for this band I really liked. It's called Tally Hall, now defunct, unfortunately. But uh, what we did was I made uh, Pokemon cards for each member of the band because they they each wear a different color tie, so I matched the color of the Pokemon card to the color of the like the tie they wore. Yeah. And uh, what happened was I, I messed one of them up and I accidentally like put one guy on two of them, like with the wrong name. Mm. And so I give them the cards after the show and they're looking through and like, oh, these are cool. And they're like, wait, that's the wrong person. And like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And he's like, no, it's actually better this way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember uh, I have to ask my brother like some of the specifics about the story, but uh, I remember we we were playing a show and and the these kids had um, drawn us pictures of like what they thought our spirit animals were. Oh, wild! And I thought that was the craziest thing. Yeah, I was like, what? Like you took the time to like think about what our spirit animals would be based on what you know about us and draw this picture to blew my mind. I love that. What were you? Uh, that's what I'm trying to remember. Like me and my brother, like one of us was like a wolf and one was a bear, but I don't remember which one it was. Like who was who? <laughs> But I, I'd have to ask him. But anyway, yeah, like, I think that's what interests me in the people side. Like, I am really not interested in estimation and, and, and Jira-ing and how can we chop this work up to make sure it's done in parallel and how much is too much to put in a Jira ticket? Like, how much time should, of mine should I take up front to make sure it's completely filled out versus how much should I trust the engineers I'm working with to be able to put together the context? Uh, I could, I don't care about any of that stuff. I do it cause it's part of my role, but, uh, I could care less about that side of it. Interesting. It's not, it's not what I expected you to say, but I think it's really, I think that's really cool. I mean, I want to be good at it because I just like, yeah, I want to be good at the role, but yeah, it's not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> and I go back and forth on it a lot, but yeah. So, so I'm having, yeah, I'm trying to like reason about, or I think through all that stuff. And then also at the same time, like how many points can I get done in the sprint? How many tickets can I finish and finish well and have them make sense? And I think like one thing I don't want to happen is get busy, but still feel like I need to contribute to the actual sprint and then start submitting first pass solutions on stuff. Uh, that's not, that's what I don't want to happen because that's how you like end up with technical debt. That's how you end up with, uh, bugs that need to be fixed. That's how you end up with like non, even sometimes like non straightforward things to track down. And then you only have the, like only you have the context for it and it's a whole thing. So, uh, that's, yeah, 
that's really what I'm trying to avoid uh, doing there. So mm-hmm. I'll figure out how to balance it at some point, but that's kind of what I'm working through now. Well, at least you got a short week to kind of rest, rest that brain a little bit. Uh, yeah, I got to move some stuff tomorrow. So, oh, that's no fun. Yeah, it'll be all right. Just find a friend with a truck. I uh, rented a truck. It's crazy. Like, so, so we're not moving until next month. Uh, I guess I haven't even, did I mention that I moved back to Santa Cruz? And if I didn't, I have now. So yeah, all the trucks are booked out for whatever reason. And so we have to do it in two trips because we can't like the truck we want or need. Wow. Uh, just can't get it. So that's sad. I'm, I, I really wanted to come do a Santa Rosa tour and visit you, but I mean, we can still do it. We can drive up here. <laughs> we totally could. Or I could come see you. We go to the fun spot. I think Santa Cruz is better personally, but we can go surfing. Uh, we can go sailing. We could just do water stuff. That's like one of my main things that I like to do, I guess. So I'd be down for that. I did, I did a, a surf lesson and on Maui in Maui. I don't know the correct way. Please don't, please don't yell at me at Maui. Anyway, they give you the, the long ass, really like the long, long boards that like require no mm-hmm. balance or skill. It was great. It was great. I was exhausted. Yeah, I would love to. Do, I would love to learn how to do that properly. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't be great at teaching it, but uh, <laughs> I could go get in the water. <laughs> Jamie would do better at teaching it than I would. I mean, I can't even see. I go surfing without my glasses. So, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I look for is I look for the change, like in the the rise over the horizon. If I see like the sky disappear, I'm like, here we go. Uh, <laughs> and you just learn to time it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, engineering stuff's been going fine. Like it's kind of cool. Like I, I, I've been mentioning like trying to just deep dive on TypeScript or like one stack. And so I don't really have a choice now. So that's what I've been doing and uh, I'm feeling better about it. Um, I don't know if I mentioned last week, but I'm helping a team of iOS devs. Uh, they're working on learning some tech stuff and so they can take their, their, their mobile expertise or their native expertise and apply it to React Native as well. Because uh, I guess we have a lot of clients talking about wanting React Native. So, you know, they're learning TypeScript and React and all that. And so I'm sort of overseeing a project and it's been really interesting to observe them uh, learn JavaScript and TypeScript and the type system uh, and, and how it differs from Swift and all that. But it feels good to be able to be just like, Oh, I know why, or I, I, I know what you should do here, or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. feel like you have an expertise in that area and be able to help. That's great. Yeah. Being able to reach out in the Slack and just be on top of things. Yeah. It feels, I mean, I still Google and, and all that stuff, but feeling like I actually have an opinion, that's maybe the biggest thing, like actually having an opinion on stuff. Cause so often I don't really. Uh, and so I feel like part of that expertise is, whether they're right or wrong, like having your own opinions and being able to like kind of substantiate them. Yeah. I've been trying to get back into uh, Elixir a little bit and I've been, I re re added the Elixir <laughs> language, uh, Slack to my Slack. Oh man. And, uh, I know it's, it's a real time sink, but, uh, getting, getting back in there and just, just, just seeing the types of questions that people are answering and trying to think, do I know the answer to that? And just like, like you said, going to Google it or reading the docs or whatever, just trying to, to re-up on it uh is very very quickly you know gets you back in that mindset like okay i said you know i do i do know what i'm talking about or i don't know what i'm talking about and i have to go learn something now yeah 
the other part of it is uh, actually sharing that knowledge. Like, it's really easy for me to see people. Qu- Sometimes people jump into the developers channel in the work Slack and they'll ask a technical question, and I just wait for someone else to answer it, even though I'm like reading it. Then I'm like, I'm not. Yeah, I will just wait for someone else to answer it. But I don't have that luxury uh, with this project because I'm the one that's supposed to be answering the question, so I don't have a choice. Like, I have to be like, okay, here's what I think. Is this right? Research it and be like, okay, well, it's right enough. So then, you know relay that back to them. So, I mean, one of the, one of the things we talked about, uh, today actually was like nulls versus undefined. So like using w- what the preference is in, in using null, uh, specifically or undefined. Cause some people, I guess a lot of people sort of say like, you know, I'm going to use null if it's sort of intentional, like if it intentionally doesn't have a value, then I'm using null and I'm using undefined if it just hasn't been initialized. Like if there's just nothing there yet. And so there's like a, Difference intention intentions between like using null and undefined, um, and I can I can see that, but also like the TypeScript handbook says, or not the handbook, but like their style guide says, don't use null. Wait, really? Yeah, I, I'll put the link to the show notes. Uh, I'm serious. It just says they just don't use null, um, and then. Uh, in the resource I was looking at, like kind of like contrasting the two, uh, Douglas Croc- Crockford also said that he doesn't use null anymore either. And it links to a, a talk where he talks about it, which I didn't have time to listen to yet. But I was like, okay, I can see, or first I was like, I can see like being intentional about using null. Like if you see null, then it then it's like there for a reason because the developer, like it doesn't have value yet or the value has been reset. Um, but then there's like, because they were asking what the convention is. And I was like, that's a good question. I've never thought about this. And after researching, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> I was reading uh, the Django docs the other day, and they were talking about, uh, you know, I was reading about setting up migrations and, and their models and whatever. And there was this whole little sidebar about string types in the database. And they're like, you know, Python considers empty string, I think, a falsy value, right? Uh, like similar to how JavaScript does. And uh, I don't love that, but one of the things they do mention is like, hey, if you have a string type, uh, probably don't allow null ever in your database because empty string is the indication of like an empty string. Like mm. keep the type, just have empty string indicate the fact that there's no value there as opposed to having a concept of empty string and a concept of null, right? And then having to, you know, coalesce and like, do you know, deal with those two different types. And that was really mind-blowing because in my head like they are two different things right and like you said null is sort of like this thing there there's like an absence of a value and empty string is a thing but like 99 percent out of the time like you know empty string is means empty like means there's nothing there why do you why do you have to add a null check then too you know so it's not like it's take up any more ram or storage or whatever and uh that kind of blew my mind a little bit so i've started trying that and just seeing you know how that feels and i kind of like it (laughs) sure but but you really, you really blew my mind a second ago when you said that the TypeScript handbook says don't use null. So what do they recommend? Just using undefined or just having um, like null types or something? I, I, mean, I meant um, not the TypeScript handbook, but the TypeScript coding guidelines. That's yeah, sure. Yeah, they say use un, use undefined, do not use null. So I don't necessarily, I don't think it says that in the handbook, but that's that's how they author TypeScript. Yeah, this it's something I've always struggled with is when to use null versus undefined. And I always just lent leaned lent. I was always just leaned towards null because that's what I'm familiar with and undefined is this weird JavaScript concept. So I just <laughs> sure. tend to 
make everything null when I don't yeah. know what it should be. But so I mean, what brought that up originally was I was looking at a, a, a PR and there was sort of like null all over the place. So they've been they've been really good about sort of type hinting themselves and not necessarily relying on a bunch of inference, but just sort of like being proactive about type hinting. And so I noticed like there were nulls like sprinkled all over the place, which is something I'm not necessarily used to seeing. And so I just brought up the question like, uh, so like let's use the React hook like use state, for example. So if you're using TypeScript and you use use state just as a, as a method and you pop a value in, it's going to be that type of value, like a string or a number and undefined. Or sorry, it's a union of that and undefined. Uh, so you could also use a generic and say, uh, you know, use state uh, caret. What is that? Uh, is it called a caret? Less than? Less than um, your type and then greater than. And it, it also types it as that value and undefined. So I was like, well, you could get rid of all these extra nulls laying around by just relying on like just knowing that TypeScript will type this as the value you're you're giving it in the generic and undefined. And then that's where the conversation came up like, well what is the you know, what's the convention here? Because it's pretty different from Swift. And that's been an interesting conversation anyway, like comparing and contrasting the type the difference of the type systems and how you, it's not really a guarantee with TypeScript because you can still technically have runtime errors and stuff. Yeah, Swift is that's one of the things I really like about Swift is it's very it's really hard to write a null reference exception in Swift. Like they, they go, you know, everything is uh, t using optional types, you know, where it could be a value or null is really frowned upon and really obvious when you're doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, they make you jump through quite a bit, quite a lot of hoops to, to, to uh, end up in those things. Like even class initialization, that's the coolest thing where you can't even initialize a class it'll throw a compile time exception if if every member of that class has not been defined like or initialized i should say sure which is which is awesome that means that uh it just it just makes it makes you really stop and think before you just start plowing ahead and and null start creeping in everywhere mm -hmm. i mean that was one thing i noticed with the typescript they were writing in the first place i was like there's there's not a place where they are not uh supplying a type specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is very different from like looking at, uh, especially React stuff from people that may come from a different language because it's like they rely more on coming from a JavaScript side. They definitely, those people will definitely, again, here I'm generalizing, okay, but the code that I've seen, people tend to rely on TypeScript inference more than specifically supplying a type. So, yeah, I think like that was an interesting conversation because like I don't know if there even is a convention here. And so in that case, I was like, well, let's go, let's go ask the other web leads then and see what they have to say, because maybe that should be, there should be a convention within our group of people for this question. But it just hasn't been a question that has come up before because I haven't like observed a bunch of, yeah, I haven't seen a bunch of nulls getting uh, used like that. So it was, it was a uh, interest. Yeah. It was a kind of a cool um, conversation to have. Really great learning experience to get that extra perspective in there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel like I'm getting a good mix of both worlds, like with engineering and management right now. Uh, we'll see how that changes. Like the project I'm on, the clients are super easy to work with, and I think that definitely helps. But aside from that stuff, like I've been observing the Discord and all the chatter that's been going in there, and the 3D printing channel is getting me a little bit jealous that I don't have one. So yeah. We've been going a little ham over there. Uh, Jess ordered me a 3D printer for Christmas. She ordered it on December 9th. It came 
February 9th. <laughs> Not because of shipping issues, just because uh, the they're just so backordered uh, because they're so insanely popular. And um, right now, I guess I did just get it set up. I got a pre pre-assembled. It's the Prusa Mini Plus. It's a it's a smaller version of Prusa's uh, very popular printer. It has a six inch by six inch bed, so it's for printing smaller things. Uh, which is what I wanted. Honestly, I didn't want it to like take up a ton of space. I just wanted to see if it'd be something I'd be interested in. And uh, here I am already. I got my Thingiverse account. I've got stuff published up there. So it's funny you, you were talking about the Discord because we were just this past weekend, right? I I just got the printer on Friday. Saturday I was setting it up. I, I showed some restraint and actually waited <laughs> until I had time to set it up. So all during Saturday on the Discord, we had 3D printing stuff going on. There were you're working on your app. There were people talking about all kinds of stuff. Like the Discord was just going like nonstop all day Saturday with with people making stuff. And I just thought it was such a cool vibe to have this kind of like virtual makerspace of people just just doing stuff. That was really, really exciting to me. It's um it's kind of infectious. It really is that you you start to feed off of of what other people are doing and getting excited about. So yeah, I, I've been playing a lot of games. Okay, like I'm I'm getting really good at Warzone, and uh, that's fine. <laughs> but it, it's hard to like. I like I think that time is good and it's healthy for me. But I think um, limiting that time is probably also good and healthy. Uh, no, don't don't feel bad about like taking time off to chill and and feel feel like you have to do something productive. Like no, that's not. I'm not trying to guilt you into that or something. I don't feel bad for taking time to to chill. Um, I'm getting more more so like jealous <laughs> of like just people building stuff and having stuff that they've built. And I'm like, I need, I want to ship stuff too. So it's more of that. It's not guilt. It's more um, uh, inspiration, maybe. So good. Okay. Positive feedback, not negative feedback. Yeah, and, and yeah, not negative feedback. And like I'm doing that with an Electron app right now, and and uh uh. New friend of the show, uh, Ryan, just joined the Discord, and like I've been talking about wanting to build software for the law field, and he builds software for the law field for a living. So, um, you know, we connected a little bit, and so yeah, it, there's momentum going there. But uh, that's cool. That kind of like ties into though wanting to do something away from the computer because I mean, 3D printing is sort of tangential, right? Like you have to design the models and stuff on a computer, but it exists outside of bits somewhere. That's what's so fascinating about it, to be honest. I got the Prusa Mini Plus. It was mostly assembled, just a couple screws to get it together. Before I get any further, I want to shout out all the people who have helped me come out of the woodwork to help me. Uh, new friend of the show, Mark. Uh, my friend, Eric. Paul, of course. And Paul's friend, Dane Bow, in the Discord. All these people have experience doing 3D printing seemingly for a long time now. And I'm like totally new to this. Paul even... On like the, in the afternoon on a Saturday, got on a screen share with me on Discord and taught me how to use Autodesk Fusion 360. He spent like 30 minutes. He's like, "Here's the basics. Here's what you need to know. Do things this way." And I'm like, "This is amazing. I never would have figured this out in this amount of time by myself." Right. So something weird about 3D printing is it feels very cultish. Like there's a lot of word of mouth sort of knowledge that's passed on that doesn't seem to be like I'm sure it's codified somewhere, but everyone is so eager to share their opinions about. What's worked for me? What's you know? What's worked for uh, this guy that I know? What's the model of the printer that I have? It's so like 
homegrown, do-it-yourself. Everyone's doing something different. Everyone has different motivations, different materials, different models of printers. It's like, it's really, really interesting to just like come into this community, more or less, and just be mobbed by people wanting to help you. And uh, I, I, I said cult, but like really, it's it's a community. It's people who just want to use to succeed because they have knowledge and experience they want to share. And that's that's a uh, really, really it made it really easy for me and it just makes me want to, you know, it gets me more excited about it. Yeah. That, uh, that is largely what my experience was in the dev community too, early on, especially on Twitter, people just responding to my tweets and DMS and people like Paul straw, uh, talking to me on Skype like every other day <laughs> and, and, and giving me a shot in, in dev and stuff like that. Like that's kind of how I ended up where I am here. Uh, so that's really, encouraging and enticing to to hear that well as well because it's like empowering right it gives you energy it gives you uh motivation and momentum i think it makes it easier for you to get momentum is which is maybe the most important thing yeah absolutely because if i was here trying to figure this out by myself you get so frustrated and burnt out so quickly and not get anywhere you know but to be able to have the resource of hey i'm stuck on this one stupid thing let me just go ask someone and you get a response pretty quickly and it's you know what you need to know and more probably uh, and again it's all based off of experience cuz this field is so new and and uh it seems like everything's changing and improving so quickly that uh it's hard to even keep up with like what the technology is capable of these days so yeah i i, I mean uh i don't know if sensei is still here but my sensei from vermont uh we would be training. He'd be beating the crap out of me on the mat, and we'd be talking about three D printing textiles and like <laughs> all these things. Uh, I think I remember like the first time I was, I had like visited. Uh, he like found out I was in tech, and then from then on, he would like we would roll, and he would just talk to me about tech and try to like think about like what three D printing could be. What could you change with with this sort of stuff? You know, uh, so. Yeah, just shout out to Sensei if he's still in the in the chat. Thomas says a community is just a cult with better brand management. I would agree with that. That's a good take. What's cool about it, besides, like you said, taking away from the computer and being able to create something that you can physically hold, it has the same feeling of you know working in the wood shop, right? You're you're making a physical thing, right? You're you're kind of focusing on uh, designing a thing that exists in a real space. Uh, but the learning the tools and being able to print arbitrary designs with almost the same sort of you can print really simple or really complex designs with the same tool set right and so really the sky's the limit with what you can you design you know it's it's whatever you can think up like you can probably make it somehow and that is uh from a from a obviously a hobbyist DIY maker perspective that's really appealing. Um I'm particularly interested in um like you know circuits and stuff. So being able to make custom enclosures for circuits like Paul did with his his awesome MetaLab uh LED project. That was an amazing project to watch unfold. Um stuff like that is really where I'm focusing, you know, I'm really interested in, you know, applying this to, but but also the sort of idea of um like being able to be to to independently just like create things that allow you to create other things, create tools, create um things that could help you you know around the house, things that can 
help you uh, fix something, right? Like being able to be self-sufficient, I guess, with with a 3D printer in your house is really kind of this cool futuristic, I don't know how else to describe it, but like it, it feels like a, it feels, it feels like voodoo sci-fi magic is really what I'm trying to get at because that's really what it is. Yeah, see, like Alchemist Camp in the chat is saying, like, wanting the the matter compilers from the Diamond Age. So, like, tar- Star Trek uh, replicators. Like, if things go well, teenagers will be pirating great food online, downloading and printing it out. I uh, I would be doing that, and I wouldn't be a teenager. <laughs> that's the dream, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the dream. I think, like, when you're kind of explaining it being self-sufficient is sort of like a natural evolution of whatever, like, you know, Stone Age going to Bronze Age, right? It's just another level of being able to be self-sufficient. You have better tools. It just so happens that the tools we have now to make stuff, uh, while they're not perfect, and, and while, like, the plastics aren't indestructible, they're, you know, you can be much more creative because you don't need, like, a full-on forge to melt the metal down and have to have something to contain it, right? Like, the materials are probably easier to work with and faster to iterate on and cheaper probably even to iterate on so it's like a it's another extension of that yeah absolutely even in the program uh when you when you go to like finish the design and and tell the printer how to how to you know they call it slicing where it tells the printer that generates the g code to uh drive the printer it actually tells you if you plug in like what filament what type of material you bought it actually tells you how much a thing's going to cost in material (laughs) it's usually like 40 cents or something that's pretty cool uh, that reminds me, I have to find the link to this because I don't have it right now, but um, in one of my feeds that I get, there was a link to a uh, a website that's completely uh, solar powered. So sometimes the site's down because <laughs> uh, of the nature of the sun, but yeah, it was kind of cool. They were talking about it's completely solar powered and they're, well, they were also talking about like the idea of having to be always available, always on kind of stuff. Like maybe that, maybe that's not necessary. Um, but I thought it was interesting concept, like this whole, it was kind of like, maybe not a magazine, but it was just like a site that had a bunch of writing on it and it was completely powered by the sun. We have, uh, one of our Rodham radio stations is completely solar powered. We have a station in Haiti, which is a remote station we, uh, it's on an awesome, it's on a mountaintop that like many thousands of feet overlooking Port-au-Prince has fiber internet like gig fiber internet but unreliable power <laughs> like this is the this is the crazy world that we live in and so the entire station is is run off of solar power we don't have a big amplifier there we just limit the power draw but um yeah around uh you know 2 3 a.m eventually the batteries just drain and the thing doesn't come back up until the sun comes back up it doesn't last the whole night and I actually had to work on a, I had to do a thing because the, uh, when the thing boots back up, the network comes up really slowly. And so some of our devices get self-assigned IP addresses, like the 169 address, because uh-huh. they can't, like DHCP is not working yet. So then I have to detect that and then trigger a, a power cycle via remote, like AC power switch to re- power cycle the thing to get it to get a freaking IP address. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, the things we do, man. But maybe I need like a solar power powered gaming rig, and that'll limit my gaming uh, time. Oh, right, a juice. Sorry. No, you get a um, get like a uh, you know, a stationary bike, and I think that'll throw my aim off, though. You know, <laughs> you get good, bro. <laughs> you can't say that to me. <laughs> I'm already good. 
good enough. Oh, oh yeah. So I'm good enough to be put in a lobby with professional Warzone players. Uh, we were we were shout to Scotty. Uh, I was playing with Scotty and my brother, and um, we were we were playing and Sensei too. And we were playing, and we saw like the kill feed, and I saw the name Huskers, and he's a pro player, like he wins tournaments. Uh, and I was like, guys, Huskers in here. And and so basically we tried to get to the final circle and we tried to ambush them and they smoked us. Like we were up in this building, like up in the rafters and stuff. And they, they rolled into the building and checked the corners and just killed us immediately. Immediately. No choice. Like no chance. Just killed us. You don't even have time to be starstruck when you're just, you know, getting shot in the head. We didn't. I was like, how did, how did that happen? Like they dispatched all four of us in a matter of seconds. Like in the time it took me to figure out where the one was that was looking at me, like it was, it was almost like the Terminator had come and we knew it was the end and we were just trying to, trying to hold on for as long as we can. And it was, it was, it was wild. Yeah. You're just grateful to be in their presence, right? Like, please kill me. I just, I just want to experience this, what this is like. It was, it was pretty, pretty wild to experience it. So yeah, hopefully it doesn't put me in those lobbies again. (laughs) That means it thinks the matching algorithm thinks you're good enough, so that's something. Or it's broken. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But see, I wouldn't have this problem if I had a solar-powered PC, because then I wouldn't play enough to get that good. <laughs> I think that would hurt your uh, hurt your rank if you disconnect in the middle of a match. Um, yeah, if you play League Play, you can't actually... They don't even allow you to leave the game. You'd have to actually close the app to leave. I mean, if the power goes out, if you do that, they deduct points from your score based on like, so you get placed in a tier and then there's a leaderboard within that tier. And so you have to progress through your leaderboard to get to the next tier. Oh, wow. Okay. And so it's based off of points. So if you quit or DC, you lose points, which means you go down the leaderboard. That's annoying. If it's a legit disconnect, that sucks. Yeah. What were we talking about before that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. 3D printing is cool. Um, I set up a Thingiverse. I'll put a link in the show notes of some of the things I've designed here. I've got a coaster, <laughs> coaster with my uh, RHR company logo on it. I designed a uh, a little case for the pocket operator, which I talked about at the beginning of the episode. I designed a little because it is just a bare circuit board. It's kind of annoying to hold, so I designed a nice little uh, handheld case for it. Little slots for the PCB to slot in there is pretty cool. That was a challenging one. I learned a lot doing that one, and I also designed a little um, cable management thing, so it slaps on your wall. And then you can, uh, it's made for like sorting small cables, USB lightning cables, that kind of stuff. I got all that stuff hanging around. It's nice to keep it organized. So yeah, Paul was, Paul was joking when I, I told him I was getting in. He's like, soon you will have the power. And, uh, now I, now I understand what he meant. It really is a superpower. And I'm, I'm like, the sky's a limit with what you can do with this. So I'm super excited to just have this be a thing that's i can do now and it's just you know evolving and, and growing in the background and you know supporting my other projects so super super excited about it and uh jess is jess is the best for getting it for me because because you know she is so another link that i wanted to share was kind of in the same vein let me find it make sure youtube doesn't autoplay on me again scare me uh is a, is a youtube channel called stuff made here and this guy is an engineer was an engineer i don't know but he makes the the most insane things and so he has like a 3d printer he has a glow forge he has 
some real like machining, like some engineer quality machine stuff. I don't even know what it's called to be honest, but some of the things he makes are like a basketball hoop on the wall that you throw a ball at it and it moves the hoop and it will, the ball will always go in. You could like throw it an angle. You could throw it really fast. The hoop will always just be in the right place. But what's cool about this is he doesn't just show the finished product, right? He shows the failures and and explains yeah, like yeah, yeah. his thought process of how he's designing and iterating on these things. Yeah, yeah. He he does a really good job at explaining it and breaking it down. Uh, what else? He made a basket, uh, a baseball bat that like had gun shells in it, so he could like hit the world record home run distance with it. <laughs> Uh, he made a, he made a golf club that would, uh, calculate the shot form. It, it would like based like as he's swinging, it would change the head to make sure it went to the right place. Uh, his latest one was he had a pool stick where there's a camera above the pool table and analyzes everything. It actually, he it uses a graph, uh, sort of algorithm. So it maps out all the possible shots and it tells him which was the best shot, and he puts the stick on the table, pushes a button, and it hits the ball at the right angle at the right speed to have it go in, <laughs> and put the ball in the right spot for the next shot to line up. That's how I, I used to cheat at a Virtual Pool 2 on my PC back in the day. You could turn on the, the, the lines and just do get a perfect shot every time, but this is real life. Yeah, it's real. It's it's insane. And he has wife mode to mess with his wife. He's always pranking his wife with these builds, which is funny. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just a good channel. It's like, at first I was like, how is this person this smart? But then I, it was realizing, then I was realizing he's just applying the same like learning, you know, methodologies that other people do, like learn programming or learn 3D printing or whatever. It's just, he keeps doing it. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna have to check this out. I saw the basketball one. Uh, you know, I'm just subscribing. I'm subscribed. You got me. You sold me. Did you like though? Uh, I don't, is that a thing? You gotta like and subscribe. And comment. You have to smash the like button and then. Oh, I got to click the bell. That was what I forgot. I forgot to click the bell. There's three things you got to do. Well, my drink is empty. You know what that means. So I'm going to wrap it up and uh, start up the printer. Yeah, I know. I I had to like turn it off because I thought it's pretty loud and I really did not want it to to come through. The latest thing I printed, I did not design it, but I did download a from Thingiverse, a model of a actual physical. Doge coin. A Doge coin? Wait, is it Doge? You pronounce it Doge? Are we doing a GIF thing? No, I do GIF with a hard G, but Doge, like dog. Doge? Not like Dojo. Guh. Guh. Doge. Here we go. We'll finish this discussion after the wrap, after the outro. If this makes it in the show, I will get some DMs about it. Well, uh, if you want to, if you if you have a if you have a thought on this this battle here, Doge versus Doge, you should um, let us know in one of the various forms, whether that's Twitter, Discord, or Twitch. On Twitter, you can find us uh, tweeting at DNC Cast. Sean is Sean Washbot, and I'm Shrockwell. If you're looking for a specific thing that we talked about today, all of the links will be available in the show notes at dnc.show. So head on over there. There'll be an episode at the very top. Click on it and you'll uh, you'll get direct access to those links. Or I suppose you can just open the show notes in your podcast app of choice. Except Spotify. Spotify just jams them all together so you don't get the formatting. It's real bad. Mm, that's not great. Yeah. So don't use Spotify anyways. Because it also doesn't have chapter markers, which I so lovingly put in there for you people. And Spotify just rips them out. Like it's nothing. Like, it, like, it, like I didn't even put them there. 
That's disrespectful. Use Overcast or Apple Podcasts for real chapter markers. Or just come listen to us live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DNCcast, Thursday nights, 6 Pacific, 9 Eastern, 2 p.m. GMT, or excuse me, 2 a.m. GMT, I learned, because uh, we have someone who needs to take some time off next week, so he's like, I never get to stay up and listen to you guys. I'm going to take Thursday and Friday off so I can stay up late <laughs> and listen to DNC live. This is a real thing that happened in our Discord today. That's wild. Come on by the twitch.tv slash DNCcast. Yeah, and and uh, I think as as Rockwell just mentioned, uh, the Discord. Uh, we we have a Discord full of people that are making stuff, helping encourage other people to make stuff, answering questions, asking questions. It's just a a really good place to be right now. People are people are being productive, and people are wanting to help other people be productive. So, if that sounds like something you're interested in, you should definitely uh, join the DNC Discord. So, there's going to be a Discord link in the show notes and you can get to it there or if you go to dnc.show at the top there's a menu and it says discord if you click on that you'll get the invite as well we have almost a hundred people in here paul just pointed out that's pretty wild and uh that's not to say that it's a you can get lost in this community because you definitely can't there's 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 a lot of a lot of chatting and and uh community building going on over there so please come by it's really a lot of fun yeah, we have uh, we have a book club going on. Uh, we have finance channel. There's a food channel. There's a fitness channel. There's you know people are talking about everything they're interested in. So there's a little bit of something for everybody. We got to share on the uh, share in the Mars Perseverance rover landing today. That was awesome. They're gonna fly a helicopter on Mars tomorrow. We'll have Thomas there to explain to us what's happening. <laughs> The resident uh, scientist. There is some nuclear physics on the. Uh, it's how the rover gets its power using a, a RTG. What is that? I think that's the acronym. Uh, they basically uh, take the heat from a small nuclear reaction and turn it into voltage. <laughs> it's pretty wild. It's what Voyager, Voyager Two used. It's what the most recent rovers use, and uh, means you don't have to have solar panels, which is awesome. But. Uh, also, it only lasts a couple of years. Thomas Thomas is going to correct me. I'm getting all these things wrong, but... He's already started the dissertation in motion. I'm sure. Uh, was that it? I think that's it. We got it all. We'll have a nice uh, day off tomorrow and get rested and get back to people wrangling on Monday. It sounds like a good plan to wash the, the Watson tongue off my face. He has so much love to give. All right, man. I will uh, talk to you next week. All right, see you.